Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Southern California, Joey Nochilpreno. Hello, Andy. Good afternoon, Joseph. Good afternoon, sir. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm glad we got a little late start uh, today. I got out a late night last night, did a show at the Improv, ended up hanging out, got home, slept in, just got up. Fresh coffee, fully poured here, and uh, just ate some bacon, ate some eggs, ready to go. Well, went to to Whole Foods, got that Whole Foods bacon. Oh, yeah, the good good bacon. Yeah. Well, we have another guest today. Champing at the bit over there. I can see him shaking. He's doing his his pre-fight shadow boxing routine. Wolf of Wall Street. You know, he's uh, he's a regular on Dirty Sports. We love him. Welcome back, Matty Goldberg. I'll give you the yeah. Yeah. Goldberg yeah. has returned. It's good so, to see you guys. You too, Matty. You, you, you Here's the thing, man. Every time you come yeah. on, you always wear a great shirt. What are we wearing today? I was today? trying to mix it up. This is uh, the Alex. I got this at a garage sale for $5. Alex Caruso. Don't know much about him, but it's a funny ass shirt, I think. The because Caruso. who would buy Alex? Who would buy an Alex Caruso shirt like this? You would. So well, at a garage sale. I wouldn't buy it at the Staples Center for <laughs> 30 bucks. So I don't think they sell it at the Staples Center for the record. So they probably <laughs> they, they probably still sold it on a very similar podcast's merch site to this very one, you know? like yeah. somebody somebody recently bought a zeke walk shirt also at a uh yard sale like i got this zeke walk shirt for five dollars are you at the at the garage yard sale or who or who are you doing this with or did somebody get it for you no i walked i was in my neighborhood and i walked by and i saw all these shirts i'm like oh my god i gotta get this shirt it's funny so i bought it in my neighborhood Man, I feel like we I, need can, a, I can already yeah. see Maddie holding a dog and with his other hand trying to get five dollars out of his wallet. It was probably the most arduous. As a matter process. of fact, I had I had a couple dogs and I go, I gotta get that shirt. So I returned the dogs and I came back with five dollars. <laughs> so you're you're right. Just yep. Now, I'm surprised, I'm surprised they didn't it, look at Maddie Joe and just say, Here, take the shirt, man. I think you need yeah. it. That's mean. Hey, I wanted to support the neighborhood. In, in addition to Maddie always coming with a good shirt, uh, Maddie also always comes to the Dirty Sports Podcast with a beef with me that I don't know about. Maddie, do we have beef right now? No, not at all. I just oh, okay. Cool. I, I've been I've been <laughs> listening to the show, and I was just was like, hey, I just have a few healthy disagreements on the Derek Jeter thing, but it's not like I have beef. I just was like, yeah. Okay. Cause sometimes you get here and you're like, you know, I haven't talked to you in two years. Cause that thing you said that one time on Twitter about Tom Brady, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know we were beefing. Luckily I'm off off Twitter. So I won't be seeing your Tom Brady. I know he's gone today for personal reasons. I have no idea why, but uh, 
I'm, assu- I'm assuming I'm assuming a blood transfusion, you know, getting filled with the blood of virgin babies or something like that. So he can play till he's 50 and age backwards. Possibly. Yeah. But no, so, no beef, no beef. Well, okay, cool. we, we got a lot to talk about today. We, we obviously are just we're all chomping at the bit to talk hard knocks. Detroit Lions episode one aired Tuesday. And it's a doozy. Like at this point, after watching the episode and all the things Joe and I have discussed over the last few weeks, I don't know what the game plan is for the Detroit Lions. It seems like it's turned into just a movie. Yeah. I don't even really follow. What do you mean? It seems like it's turned into a movie. Well, I was saying that it's, it's like a movie because they're such underdogs and the coaches are rah, rah. Uh, uh, And you believe in the story and then you're like, okay, they're going to win four games. It's, it's kind of like major league, like the movie you're like, Oh my God, this this team is so bad, but there's like a charm to it because they're an underdog and it's setting you up for this like beautiful story of them winning the division where unfortunately the lions are going to get so pumped up. And then when the season starts, Oh, they're going to win four to six games. But and not, like, o- not, not over six, right, Maddie? They're over under a six and a half. And so I don't oh, know. So I- close. <laughs> I think Vegas has that perfect because they only won like three games last year, but they should have won a couple more. They, they blew like that Minnesota game. And then that lucky field goal against the Ravens. They blew the Pittsburgh game too. It's, yeah. So. There's a couple of games they blew, but every time they blow a game, you're going to get a great Dan Campbell crying yeah. press conference. But isn't that isn't that that's what bad teams do? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I understand that they should have won. See, I've heard that argument for God knows how many yeah, years. Yeah, man, God, the, the, if the New York Giants won games they should have, they'd be going on to their fifth straight 10-win season. Kicked a, a guy did kick a 74-yard field goal that hit the crossbar and went over. But, but again, yeah, they, they let they let them get in that position at the that end of the game. True. So, so, so says it best. You argue what your record is. And, and look, my thing, and we obviously we discussed Dan Campbell at length, and we will continue on today's episode. I just want to start off, and we're going to obviously play some clips. I want to ask at this point after episode one, is Dan Campbell like do, he has to fully be aware of what everyone says on the internet? At this point, I wonder, is he serious or is this just a shtick? Is this I just think, a shtick? I think he's I think he's serious because like what I think he's leaning into like all that he is. Like he's clearly yeah. he's clearly uh, you know, Dan Campbell is clearly Dan Campbell. Now he has, I don't know, trained under Sean Payton, as we saw, which like I don't even want to go into like overrated. Underrated Sean Payton overrated in, in, in Joe Prano's overrated, underrated scale, Sean Payton overrated. Um, so, okay. Trent, but like he is Dan Campbell and he might have whatever his coaching history is and stuff, but like you can only be who you are. And I think that that's the good thing that he has going for him. When I watch hard knocks, I'm left feeling a couple of ways. One, um, everybody seems to like him. Like, Everyone seems to like him. They're probably going to rally together as a team. They probably all like each other. The environment seems good. 
for everybody. It definitely doesn't seem like a locker room that's got a whole lot of disarray in it. Everybody seems to be having a good time. Um, his coaching staff is filled with uh, former players. And he's like a rah-rah coach instead of like the new fangled nerd boy coach that played, you know, slot receiver at a D3 college and was only able to do so because they knew absolutely every intricacy of the game. Dan Campbell, the complete opposite of that. Guy looks like he's like 6'8", made it to the NFL because he was a goddamn monster. And now props to him for being like, I want to learn the game after and do all these things and become a coach. Great. But all that is, like you guys said, kind of like something out of Remember the Titans or whatever, because you look around the NFL right now and long gone pretty much are rah-rah head coaches. Thank you. And, and long, and I, long gone you. pretty much are staffs full of former players. So it's like, in theory, it all seems great on paper until you realize every team that's successful looks totally different on paper. And that's what I, that's my takeaway. It's like, cool. You guys all seem to like it. Like maybe that, maybe this will work. I'm betting against it, but maybe it will. Yeah, I want to just say also props to Hard Knocks because last year was the worst season they ever had. It was so boring. I mean, Mike McCarthy coming out there, like he comes out, he's like, you know, we're going to win multiple championships. And you're just like, as soon as he says that, the first sentence, you're, you have like zoned out because he's so boring. He's so unconvincing. He, and now you got Dan Campbell is just like fun, man. He's excitement. He gives you what you want. So no, and I, by the way, I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. But Joe, Joe just hit on it, and I put that in my notes. What what are one or if not a few? Name any current successful NFL coaches that are rah rah. I, I can't think I mean, of one off the top of my head. No, like who, who've been consistently good, who are that type of coach. The days of Mike Dick are over. They really are. I mean, I even think. right, even, even like take take a Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't call yeah. Jim Harbaugh's hard nose, but he also, you know, he you know he knows the game. That's what I'm saying. And like, like he played at a Pro Bowl level, uh, yeah. multiple seasons at quarterback. My point is, even Harbaugh and Harbaugh was obviously very successful. But, in the NFL. And Harbaugh's also like the closest that we have. That's what I'm saying. And he's nowhere. I mean, Harbaugh's a one compared to a ten of Dan Campbell when it comes to the rah rah. My takeaway was this. And I know Lions fans are going to hate to hear this and we'll play some clips after watching a full episode. I leave that and say, what is your game plan? You have a rah-rah coach and all your assistant coaches. are. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, if you watch the episode, it's pretty clear grit. That's the game plan. And they're not going to (laughs) quit. So a lot of teams quit. But but that's my point. It's like, you guys, what is your defensive scheme? What is your offensive scheme? And not quitting. Would <laughs> you want to know about special teams? Yeah. Grit, okay. grittiness, you know, not quitting, like Maddie said. He also says these things that are just like crazy, like, we're going to knock their dicks in the dirt. And it's just funny because well, you hear that. Well, 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 here's one. Here's one. Here's a quick four second one. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. 
Doesn't matter if you have yeah. one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. Doesn't matter that's, if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. That's from the Bill Belichick style of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but again, look, is he entertaining? Is he fun? Bill Belichick oh, yeah. has is right now coming up with an elaborate borderline illegal wildcat formation called one ass yeah. cheek and three toes just to yeah. troll Dan Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be like did you see this? Did you see this play? Like, they're like, Bill, tell us about this. He's like, yeah, we do this very last minute substitution, which is borderline illegal, um, where it seems like one of our guys is running off the field, but he's not. He stops. Then we throw a fucking reverse pass to him and the whole defense falls down on the ground because they're like, what? How is that not a flag? And we score. And then they're like, what's that called? And he's like, one ass streak and three toes. And they're like, what? Are you trolling Dan Campbell? He's like, no, it's just what we call it. I mean, what what is going on here? And then we obviously played the clip, which we which was leaked before the first episode, the one of him addressing the team about grit. Here is, and by the way, this is what I love because I, I had to grab it from. This is from a Lions Twitter feed. I love the caption for this. How could you not want to play for Dan Campbell from this twenty-two second clip? All I think about is you guys. That's all I think about, man. That's all I fucking think about is you guys and how I set you up for the best fucking possible, the best possible advantage I can give you to have a season. I swear to you, man. I just need you to trust me. That's all. Please. Let's be better tomorrow. Okay. So he's yeah, obviously. I want, I want to play for Dan Campbell. I do. do you? Yeah. But here's the thing. There for sure are guys in the NFL, coaches in the NFL, whose attitudes, we've seen it over the years, fucking, you know, Jason Garrett or whoever that have this, that you look at them, Ben McAdoo, you have a look, you look at them and you're like, no one wants to play for this fucking cheddar dick. But that's like three people in the NFL each year. The worst three coaches, the fucking Urban Myers, people are just like, fuck this motherfucker. I don't even want to go to the fucking locker room to be in the locker room with this fuck. But the other 29 guys, people they like, you don't become a head coach in the NFL without people wanting to play for you and without you being able to get something out of your players. The problem with this Dan Campbell fucking show is that when they start out one and four, then people aren't going to want to play for him. Cause they're like, okay, this like we're still doing fucking up downs. How about get, figuring out how to make Jared Goff throw it to our fucking team. It was all fun and games during, you know, training camp. But now we're getting our dicks kicked in and you're still talking about fucking grit. How about talking about what we do to this fucking wide receiver? Well, in his defense, he does the up and downs as well. He looked yeah. like he was going to die, too. Yeah. Well, look, uh, look, look, here's my thing again on him. I have no problem with emotion. I'm a very emotional person. I cry a lot. How many no times did you cry during the hard knocks? Episode? I, I didn't cry at all. And, and I'm a very, very, very emotional person. But again, I have no problem with emotion ever. Like I never have a problem when people get emotional. But at some point, again, I just keep coming back to this. What is your plan? Like, you, first of all, you, you need to learn science. I don't think Dan Campbell understands science. He keeps talking about burying someone in water. I'm not sure how that works. Um, you can drown somebody in water. You can throw them in water. 
burying them in water. I, I don't know. It seems like a oh, weird. Wow. Wow. All the people, Andy Ruther coming at somebody for a misphrasing of something. Are you, are you literally upset that Dan Campbell had a Rutherism? We had a lot of Rutherism. It's, He's it's like, not- guys, we're going to go out there and beat them like a bush. What about that's, that? That's, that's our, that's our philosophy. Every, when you line up against the other guy, think of him as a bush. Beat him. What? A dead nobody's, ta- nobody's <laughs> talking about Hutchinson's mother. She was a, she was a good, she was a pretty good looking lady. How about Hutchinson's one sister though? So I, I looked him up. So his mom was, uh, his mom was like Miss Teen uh, Michigan, and his then his sister was like Miss Michigan or something keep, like that. Yeah, keep her, keep the mom away from Mister Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's my take on Aiden Hutchinson. Here's an early Ruther predicts. I don't think he's going to work out. I think he's going to be a bust. Wow. You really want Lions people to come at you. No, yeah. I don't. I, I just look. Here's my thing on Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, he comes from the pedigree. His dad played college ball at Michigan. So he's got the genes. I just think if you like, and, and I know this can happen. I know you, you're already hating. He's got, he's got too much J.J. Watt vibes for you to like him. No, 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 no. It's not that. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't get the J.J. Watt vibes. I just... Do you guys know much about his college history? Like he played four years. He really did nothing. And I mean, nothing. Last year, he was pretty good. Until last year. That's my point. Like he did nothing. He wasn't even starting. And I know guys can slip through the cracks. Tom Brady's a prime example. Tom Brady also went to the Patriots in a great system. You're going to the Detroit Lions. I should. Okay. I shouldn't. Did you just call Tom Brady a system quarterback? Oh, well, they're all system quarterbacks, you know, but my point is he went into a perfect system. What I'm saying about Aiden Hutchinson is you're going to the lions. That's not helping your cause. I just, as the, I know this was kind of a weaker draft class, but as the number two overall pick, you got to be like a, just, you know, a home wrecker on that line. I, I just, I, I mean, don't I don't watch enough college football to give you a judgment right now on, you know, I don't, I don't have, draft grades on him uh but the thing about this lions team and i think this is going to be the real undoing of dan campbell eventually is you can't draft in the top fucking five every year and not have talent like they have talent on that team they absolutely have talent this is not a this is not a talentless football club that's not why they go win three games every year you don't get they, they don't the, the Detroit Lions aren't just bust, 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 bust. We've seen this historically on teams that are bad. And then the guys finally escape and they go somewhere. We've seen it with the Lions. I've been I was mocked relentlessly on the Internet for calling Matt Stafford a top five quarterback. He left. He won a Super Bowl MVP the yeah. fucking first day he fucking left. So this is not a team without talent. But the thing is, you need to know how to especially when you're a young team, you could, maybe that rah, rah shit works. If Dan Campbell takes over the fucking Patriots tomorrow and they're all, they already have everything in place and he's just there to fucking motivate, but you need to shape young talent and fucking teach them the game. Yeah. And I mean, Dan Campbell's teaching them up downs. So that's cool. I guess if you ever up down in a football game, Meanwhile, you have fucking Aaron Glenn and Deuce Daly fucking screaming at each other in some sort of weird figure skating dance that they're doing. 
Another thing I found weird, the assistant coaches are just as rah-rah, lunatic. Yelling. I loved watching it. Oh, I oh, lo- oh, 100%. I loved watching it, and agreed. I kind of loved their passion. Agreed. But I also played football, and if I was standing there on the sideline next to the – you know, I played receiver. And so when I played receiver, it's always like, okay, get me in the game, get me the ball. If I'm standing on the sideline watching my offensive coordinator fucking – Walk circles, screaming at the defense quarter. I'd be like, "This motherfucker doesn't know what." I've the never fuck seen that doing. before. Yeah, with two exactly. coaches like trash talking each other. So, I mean, so, it makes for good TV, but I've never seen that. Before. Yeah, no, it makes for great TV. But now, Maddie, obviously, you're you're a Patriots guy, and they're yeah, they're like the they're what everyone wants to achieve, right? As far as what yeah. they created and all their dynasty. My point is, I see, I I always try to picture the best teams, so I'm picturing. Sure. I'm picturing as I watch this episode, I'm picturing a Patriots training camp, a Patriots organization that has been run so efficiently. And I'm just thinking they're not doing any of this shit. And not that you have to copy the Patriots, but my point is I watch this. And again, I'm just saying, what's, what's the plan? Like if I'm a player, I definitely want to have a coach that motivates me. I definitely want to have a coach that taps into something that make me go to make me go the extra level. But at the end of the day, you need some sort of game plan and grit. I I just don't know what that grit means. I mean, most coaches don't do that stuff anymore. It's like, it's a very college atmosphere where they're like, well, you can do that to college kids with pros. They're not going to accept that. And so that's why Dan Campbell's kind of different. I just don't know how long, like how long the intensity you can sustain it for 17 games especially when you they have talent but they don't have like top tier talent you know sure so no. it's it's odd it's also odd they didn't do anything about Jared Goff the first week and he is the quarterback and the most important player and I'm like oh, we're, we're, we're gonna, gonna get we're gonna, we're gonna get a whole Jared Goff episode yeah yeah they're trying to get us to buy in they've already done Jared Goff on hard knocks twice they're, I was mad this is his third time now yeah. And, and it's kind of like funny because I was telling Ruther before the show, the first year he was a rookie. And I remember there was like a guy that worked with the Rams. And he's like, I used to work with the 49ers and you got like a lot of Joe Montana in you. And they're like kind of being like, he's the rookie boy wonder. And now we're six years later. And this is like, this is it, man. You, This is sink or swim for you, buddy. Like you're not going to be in the NFL. Maddie, don't, you, don't you know they built this offense around him? That's crazy. I mean, he always seemed like you it's know, just a ludicrous thing that Lions fans keep saying. It's like you know who else has the offense built around them? Every quarterback ever. Well, that's the other thing too. Is like essentially he was brought here because he wasn't like we want Jared Goff. It's like we'll give you Jared Goff. And we'll probably pay for a lot of his salary because we don't think he we have talent and we don't think he can win a Super Bowl. So we want a guy that can win a Super Bowl. And like even Sean McVay feels bad about what he did with Jared Goff because, you know, like, you know, the story about like in uh, somewhere in the Caribbeans, they're negotiating for Matt Stafford and like Jared Goff doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, well, look, man, he obviously was a casualty of Stafford wanting to leave and them trying to get a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And it obviously worked out for the for the Rams, it worked out beautifully. 
But at the end of the day, we can keep, I love keep coming back to the six and a half games. I, well, that's I keep, what I was just about to say. Six and a half games is the number that they set. Maddie said, you think it's pretty spot on. Maddie's our, Maddie's probably the biggest gambler of the three of us. Um, I would take the over, but I think it's right on the number. I wouldn't you, touch it. You would take the over. You'd say but seven. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it, though. Like now, I wouldn't bet the, on the, it. I, but I, my, my question for you is, does Hard Knocks make you more or less confident in the over? It doesn't either. It's just entertaining. It's just last year was so boring. Like, I love Hard Knocks. I didn't even watch the last episode. I don't need to see, like, you know, Elliot and uh, the quarterback have dinner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was boring. Yeah. Well, now you get guys screaming and crying. We'll play another Yeah, you got guys that. screaming at each other. You got, like, this intensity. Those uh, those songs are great. That guy who did the Mexican dance was amazing. That was good. Uh, Hutchinson doing. I, Billy I love how he calls it the. It's he. He did salsa. He did salsa. Salsa. Yeah. <laughs> it was it the Mexican dance. Sorry. I hope I don't get canceled there. But that was that was funny as fuck. I mean, it, it just was edited better. No, I agree. I, I think it was overall. It was a crisper show. I want to play the clip. I'll play the full clip. This is Jamal Williams' speech. It's a minute forty-seven seconds, and this was his passion speech to the team after practice. Let's all know, man. Today is the minimum of effort. Tomorrow, we're going to come back even better. I know we start out slow. I know we got pads on the first day coming back. I know we're looking at Coach crazy, but we got to believe in him. You know what I mean? He going he gonna to put us in the right position. I'm going to stop it there. See, to me, I, I found that interesting. I know we looking at Coach like he's crazy. He's gonna, It's almost like he's trying to convince himself that. Don't, didn't you guys get that vibe? He's like, yeah. I know the yeah. coach is crazy. But he he's he's saying that to his teammates almost like I don't know if I really believe this, but I'm saying it. Did you guys get that vibe right there? Yeah. A little. Yeah. We just got to so. I mean Go ahead. No, I mean it's hard to say. I think a lot of the players who play with other coaches in the NFL are probably like, really? Like this is what we're gonna do. Like, really? Like this, like this is gonna work this rah-rah bullshit. Like I've played for this coach. I've played for that coach. Like if you've played for teams at one and they do things completely different, you're just a little like, really? Yeah. All right. Let me get the rest of this out. Be dogs. We got to come out here. No, we got to be champions. If today y'all think this is it, this ain't it. We got to keep going. Do not give up. Do not feel like you tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that fucking record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that fucking record. That ain't us. We can make it. We got to believe. We got to be mentally strong. When we tired, that's when we got to put our fundamentals together. Hey, make it! That's when we got to be more focused. When we tired, look across the field and see how tired they are. That should give you more effort. Be like, I'm going to beat his ass. I'm going to get fundamentally strong. Everybody's great when they're not tired. The champions is when they tired, that's when the real champions come out. That's when that real dog come out. Because if you go piss like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat. Let them on the fucking field. Have some heart. Oh, whoa. I get emotional about that. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. I love that line. When you tell everyone I'm about to, like you're letting everyone know I'm about to cry because I care about you. And then he basically. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
And then he I like that, you don't piss on the porch. That was a good line. That was a real, real I love good that. Line. Yeah. And then he cries I, here here at the end. You know what? You know what the problem is too is like I'm I'm curious to see how Mike Miller's gonna do with the, the Dolphins. And he's kind of like this young, like they call him like a boy wonder kind of genius. And like you saw what he did with San Francisco. So he lines like Debo Samuel up as a running back because he's like the most valuable player on that team to get him the ball more. And that's like innovative. So now we have a wide receiver, you know, getting like 10 handoffs and doing crazy shit. And that's like innovative because, you know, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good. So you're like figuring out ways to get your most talented people the ball. Like, that's the problem with the Lions. Like, are they figuring out, like, how can we get the most out of our players? No. And, well, that's and, that's, and, and, and honestly, that's sort of the dichotomy of the NFL these days in coaching. And obviously, everybody's leaning more toward the innovative boy wonder nerd guy. But when you go back and you look at historically in the NFL, I mean, obviously, Maddie has the pleasure of having Bill Belichick. But yeah. Bill Parcells, you know, he's obviously comes from the Parcells tree. Parcells, yep. a lot of a lot of guys that, that have come through there. And it's it's the combination of those two. Right. Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells, the perfect example of a guy who was kind of like rah, rah, football, inspirationalist guy and doing it in a very, very smart way. And yeah. you don't you don't often have the like it's very rare to find a guy who is both and what seems to be happening in the modern NFL is like, listen, if we got to choose, we're going to take guys who have sort of, who are just pushing it with ideas of football strategy. And if that means we don't get any of the rah-rah inspirational coach, then so be it. That's just the way we have to go. What's wild is that the lions of all franchises who have yet to be able to figure it out at all, literally ever would go the other way. <laughs> you would be like, why are you guys going to be the ones that are going to try? All you do is do it different. So why are you guys going to be the ones that go? No, fuck it. We're going to go with the guy who's right. Here's my thing. I always try to, for all of this stuff, I always try to step back and be like, what if I was watching this? Like, what if this meant something? To me? Like, I don't give a fuck about the Lions. I don't care if the Lions are good, bad, indifferent. I don't give a fuck. I hate the fucking Vikings. I, you know, and the Kirk Cousins love. So it's like, I'm always rooting for Lions over the, the Vikings. You know, I, I kind of root for Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, but like, I don't have any, any more care about the Lions than I do the Bears. Like, I don't give a shit what happens with the Lions season. So then I have to sit back and go, if I'm judging this, let me just, blur my eyes and imagine all of this. They were all wearing giants uniforms. I would not be able to sleep. I'd be having nightmares about how our season was about to go. I'd be like, this is what we did. We've been shit for the last, however many years, which is exactly the position that the giants are in. And we're going with fucking gym teacher. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's like, I just want to, you know, a couple things before we get going on our very first practice this season. Uh, never play cards. Somebody whose first name is a city. <laughs> never, never date That's a girl probably... with a dagger tattoo. I know like, what you're talking the about. fuck. Team That's that's a team wolf reference, Bobby, right? That's Coach Bobby Finstock. Yeah, but it's like, can you imagine if that you you're that you're an NFL head coach? You're coming with some Bobby Finstock. 
So like everything so, else got then and be gritty. Everything else is cream cheese. So all right, good game, Scotty. Yeah. So like I'm yeah. a huge fan of uh of David Goggins, right? And because he's a lunatic, he he's that that former Navy SEAL who who does like ultra marathons and all these different competitions, and he's he's crazy. And I read his book. And he's dealt with so much adversity through his life. And you watch his YouTube videos or his Instagram videos and like, I get turned, right? But the difference is he's getting me turned to go do a workout. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I keep thinking of somebody like that when I watch this, I'm like, okay, you're that guy who gets me motivated. But again, I need a game plan to execute on the field because at the end of the day, I would argue, like Joe is saying, the modern NFL is so complex with so many intricacies. The game planning is so meticulous. I think of some of the other hard knocks when they show these guys in the film room and planning and the Sean McVeighs. I, I just, I'm sure we might see that, but you literally wrote grit on the wall. Like it wasn't just a speech. You wrote grit on your wall. This is a 19... 50s newt rockney speech yeah and i don't mind like the the rex ryan's back in the day who fucking let's go eat a fucking snack and also you saw all that went into their fucking defensive strategy and whatever and that was a guy who got along with his players and did the thing and fielded the punts and fucking you know was a rah-rah dude but like i'm not i'm not seeing any like yeah man Good luck to the Lions. Let, let me let me play a call. Let me play a quick call from uh from a dirt ball. A turnt Lions fan? No. Damn. I want these guys on the record. I do too. Lions fans, call the hotline 310-359-8365. So uh Joe Andy, number one farmer dirt ball Jay here. Uh I'm watching this hard knocks with Dan Campbell. And he just said that all he thinks about is how to get these guys ready. All I think about is you guys, man, getting you ready to play the best football, man. And I think about that like this. With me and a bunch of my beer-drinking buddies, like all we thought about is how to get the rocket ship we're building to go to Mars. That still doesn't mean <laughs> we know dick about building rocket ships. We would all die <laughs> in a horrible rocket ship explosion before it got off the ground. And, and that's just, I mean, it seems like Dan Campbell and all of his meathead buddies are thinking about the team, man. But if you got morons thinking about the team, it doesn't get you very far. I mean, I think at this point, six wins is probably double of what they're going to win. Stay dirty. I, by the way, I just love, I love this fucking analogy because it made me picture, it made me picture and hear that actual conversation. Like, all right, guys. Welcome back to Beer Drinkers, Beer Drinkers Rocket Club. Everybody, first, we start out with a waterfall. Everybody drink. All right. What's the most important thing to building a rocket ship? Grit. And they're like, <laughs> fuck. One of the guys has to be the fucking pilot. He's like, what'd you just say? Grit. <laughs> not like, not like rocket emissions and like, you know engine rocket powered engines grit if you don't care you're never getting up into space he's like uh can i can i just be one of the engineers do i have to be the test pilot oh you're going because you got fucking heart yeah it, it seems that 
obviously you call it people buy in every year hard knocks people believe the hype they drink the kool-aid it's showing right now with that tweet that you sent me joe which i quote tweeted about all the people betting on dan campbell to win coach of the year all these wild takes from lions fans from the state of michigan now is the time because everybody's gonna be betting I encourage everyone to bet the under. And look, we could be wrong. It could be hilarious. I'll, I'll tell you this. Forget the over-under. Forget the over-under. I'm going to take our call. I'm going to roll it into exactly what we just talked about. If Dan Campbell wins coach of the year, I will build a rocket ship out of old Miller light cans and attempt to go to space. <laughs> and if I die, I die. But I'm going to do my best effort. I'm going to motivate. I will build a rocket ship out of Miller Lite and it and make an actual attempt for space travel. <laughs> so but who, how exce- oh no, I was gonna ask each of you who has the most yeah. win like outside of the Packers. How do you guys see this division playing out? Like I think the Vikings will be a little better. I still like the Packers. Uh who else? The Lions, the Packers, the Vikings, the and the Bears. Eh. I mean I think the Packers will be 10 and 7, 11 and 6. I think Vikings nine and eight, Bears seven and ten, Lions. So, so you're you're proving my point then, Matt. You still have the Lions at the basement of the division. Yeah, I'm thinking like six, either six and eleven, seven or ten. That's why I think the over under is right. Like Vegas got it perfect, but no division, like no coming out of nowhere division champ bullshit. I'm going. I'm going. Packers like f- boat race the division. Thirteen wins. Uh, you know the Vikings will be yeah eight and nine or nine and eight. The Bears. I, I agree with Maddie. Seven ten. I think the. I think the Lions win four games, five games. The the thing I wish the- I wish I could bet down. I wish I could bet it down from six and a half to five and a half, and still bet the under. The thing about the Lions is if they have a rough start. This that's my thing. Like like when you have a raw rock coach, well don't think, forget they have that 4 and 1 stretch the yeah. end of the year. <laughs> you have to have a good start. Where so, they've already yeah. penciled in wins against teams in their division that were eight games better than them last year. By the way, they do play the Patriots, Brandon, which is hilarious. They're yeah. at New, they're at New England. So that Bill Belichick play that he's going to run. So they start yeah. out Home games against the Eagles, Commanders, then they go to the Vikings, and then they have a home game against the Seahawks, who are going to be bad. So, look, you had you do have four winnable games, three of them at home to start your season. And and listen, I'm a Giants fan. I'll be desperately rooting for you guys against the Eagles and the Commanders. And you're I mean, probably it is gonna, wild. You're probably going to let me down twice. I mean, whether Belichick cheats or not, it is wild because when they do play the Lions, you know, he's going to figure out. Sorry, he's got to figure out how to like you know what to take away from the Lions, you know what works against them, and Dan Campbell's gonna be like, "Hey, one ass cheek, three toes, let's go." Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna the Bill Belichick's defense is gonna hold Jared Goff to three points by yeah. halftime. They're gonna be down fourteen to three. What was that, what what was your strategy in this game, Coach? And what worked? Like we just you know tried to make sure that Goff didn't get a good look, and you know tried to change it up at the line, and he kind of played into that and threw a couple picks, and yeah. You know, and then they're like Dan, what what happened? What went wrong in this game? Oh, we didn't try hard enough. 
you know, uh, it's about effort. Props to our guys. They gave 98%, but uh, I'm not here to get 98%. here to get 110. Now, a lot of people ask me, coach, like, if you can go over 100% effort, if you can go 110, why not go 120? And I'm like, well, you know, that's not how the saying goes. You got to give it 110%, which is like the new max. So that's what we're going for, 110. And they gave me 98 today. It's not enough. Okay. <laughs> so Goldberg, let's yeah. let's mix it up a little here. You're yeah. you're back on the show. It's been a minute. You're also coming sure. on to talk about a very special. Uh, do I call it a, a a mini pod series? Like like what you have going on with your podcast? Yeah, I wanted. To, I, I really appreciate you having me on, and thanks for letting me talk about Hard Knocks as well. Uh, and thanks you for giving me a little time. So. I had a friend that I used to do comedy with. I don't think what's, Joe. First of all, what first of all, what's the name of your podcast, Maddie? So the everybody sports knows hole. the sports it, hole. Yeah. So it's with our buddy Luke, who used to be a part of the Dirty Sports team. And I found this guy online named XFL Jim, whose specialty is uh, alternate football leagues. So he's obsessed with the USFL and the XFL. And college, but he's a, he's a character in the CFL. Hopefully, hopefully he's watching Hard Knocks and scouting some oh, of the yeah, soon, soon to be soon to be coaches and players in it, in one yeah. of the alternative leagues. But he's a he's a character and he's really fun and we have really good conversations and we've kept it really light lately. We talked about like movies and shit. But I had a friend who used to do comedy. I don't think you know him, Sean Murphy. Do you remember him in New York? No, he sounds, used to man- sounds yes, like a name to- of a million comics. There's two Sean Murphys. So okay. uh, apologies to Sean Murphy that's doing stand-up that's not mm-hmm. in a whorehouse in the Dominican Republic. So I had a buddy. He lost his mind. He went to the Dominican Republic. He found himself in a brothel, and he blew $30,000 in one month there. And he thinks he's going to marry one of the girls. He came back to America. I said, I'd love to interview you. I'll change your name. He said, I don't care. You can put my name on it. So I did a four-hour interview. And I broke it up into four parts on his adventures in Dominican Republic, and we put it on the podcast. So I just thought some of your viewers, that'd be a nice crossover because I know some of you, some of your viewers are would enjoy some of that crazy content. So it's quite the interesting interview. So I have listened to – you've put two episodes of, of the Sean Murphy little docu-series chronicles yeah i am i'm like halfway done with the second you just released the second one a couple days ago so he went down to the dominican republic during the pandemic yeah essentially i'm just trying to summarize some things so people understand heading in he basically took the when everybody else zigs when everybody else zigs he zagged yeah, he took the like, pandemic. Months. Let's go getting, to the Dominican Republic. He was getting unemployment, so he had Correct. thirty grand in the bank. He found himself in a whorehouse, and he just went nuts. I mean, nuts and with all these girls. He was he. What he essentially did was he rented an apartment, a block or like whatever, a few blocks away from the brothel. He bought four girls for a week, and he had them live with them, and he just had crazy orgies with them. And it brought up a lot of problems with the guys because guys come there to have sex with these girls and he took them all. So now he's got a problem with all the guys who want to like beat his ass up and he doesn't care. So that was kind of funny. 
Well, yeah. you know what you know what I found interesting too is like he gets mad at you really. Oh, easily. I know, I know. Like, I think it's funny. Like he's like, let me let me finish. Let me finish. I'm trying to talk. Let me finish. And then he called yeah. you a mongoloid one episode. Yeah, yeah I thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't take any offense when he attacks me. I find it hysterical because I this is this I, is the second time this episode that Ruther has criticized somebody for something that is literally Ruther's MO. You did yeah. you just say this guy snaps? And was really mean to Maddie Goldberg. Yeah, I, know. yeah, I don't, I don't take it serious though, because Andy, like when Andy snapped, Andy used to snap. This guy, I just find like, I don't know, I just find it funny when he yells at me. Like I find it, I like getting riled up too. So, by the way, I snapped. Side note, I, I snapped, uh, I snapped this week. Oh, I'm big sorry. time house big time. issue. Yeah, I fucking called it, bro. I'm telling you. People fucking doubt me, but like I am, I am a, as far as like studying the human mind, like I am a fucking master. I was like, this house is going to break Ruther and bring back old Ruther. Dude, you, you, you snapped multiple times already. Yeah. Well, I, I snapped, I snapped to my girl and I hate to do that. And, oh, and, oh and yeah, no. I know. Right and when that, you're moving in. That's not me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a stressful time moving in. Stressful yeah. time doing whatever. Andy, I know your girl occasionally tunes into the episode. Do you want to publicly say any words to her? Oh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure you said some things privately, but you know, uh, in the there's there's like five lo- love languages or whatever. That's what I've heard from being force fed the same self help books by eleven girlfriends. Um, but do you want to like publicly acknowledge sure. your wrongdoings? I, I'm not going to reveal her name yet because I'm. I'm I'm learning from mistakes of the past. I I am sorry. I told her I was sorry before, but I'm sorry. I'm trying to relax more, calm down. Everything is not going to be perfect. Things happen with the house. I need to learn how not to have control over everything. And I promise to do better, baby. I'm about to cry. I'm about to cry. And also, I ain't going to piss on the porch. Now, now, unlike uh, unlike my situation, your your boy who lived in a brothel, my my girl is not a child. I looked at some pictures on Instagram. (laughs) It's like, yo, dude, what is it like? These girls like young, man. Yeah, I mean, he claims they're all of age and I I would say it's right on the limit and I. You know, that's one thing like I did. Maybe have the, 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 the Dominican Republic is, you know, probably a different, uh, different. Well, laws I, had to too. Edit, I, I definitely edited some stuff out. Like we, we edited a lot of stuff because he does start talking about like, yeah, this girl was 19 and like, and he's in his forties. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like I, I can't put this out, you know? And he's not, he's just, he's all over the fucking place. And I just found it was really like, I don't know. I, I, I offered that I would take his name off it. I go, if I interview, I'll take your name off it. And he's like, no, I want to put my name on this. And like, you can go to his Instagram and see the picture of the hookers with him. He's got pictures where they're like stepping on him. There's like four girls stepping on him. He's feeding them. Like he just, this is a guy too, that was a very smart guy. He got a perfect score on his LSATs. He was an LSAT tutor. He, he went to Berkeley law. Like he could have been something and like 
he's in the the dr in whorehouse is blowing all his money and the the what the next episode's coming up he runs out of money like i'll give you a spoiler he goes to jail twice he uh talks about masturbating in jail and shooting loads on the wall and it's just like <laughs> Jesus like did you get to the part where he talked about how he got a job as a security guard and he got fired for having a boner no i i just got to the point of him getting yeah. a job as a security guard so yeah, that so is he, a, gets fu- he gets fired for having a boner so that's all available yeah on spotify apple Podcasts, the sports, the sports hole. and i and i think that's a good segue to we're discussing a guy and women to discuss Jeter, right? Prano. Sure. Because Maddie, Maddie wants to bring up. No, I, I, okay. So I listened last week and I know Joe is very critical of Derek in the sense of like, okay, there's these shortstops are better than him. And I'm not here to argue that, but there is an importance because Joe and I are around the same age. We both grew up in New York. Like Derek Jeter was the dude. Like he was, there is like the documentary kind of loses. It doesn't really know what it wants to be because part of it's about the Yankees dynasty. And then part of it's about Derek Jeter's private life, which I think is more interesting in the fact that he's the last athlete in New York that like the tabloids competed to get the best story about. And that's what I find interesting about him. And like, you can't deny that every girl had a crush on him because Absolutely. Every gr- I knew girls that were not sports fans all of a sudden were like, cheater, cheater, cheater. And like, yes, okay, was A-Rod better player than him? Absolutely. But just the, the, what, the what he brought to the table of New York, he's like the last guy in the line of Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio of, of you know, uh, being that, that kind of, uh, I guess – heartthrob athlete that we'll probably never see again. But this is my, my essential problem with Derek Jeter all all time as he's revered is kind of exactly what you just did. You're just like Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Derek Jeter. Excuse me. You know, two of those guys are two of the greatest players to ever set foot on a baseball diamond ever. And the third was a handsome shortstop. But that's what we're looking at. We're looking at like the fascination because he was the, like they say in the thing, like if the New York post got a Derek Jeter was at this club with this girl and the, and the daily news didn't get it. It's like the daily news, you're fucked, you know, like you guys fucked up. And that's, I think should have been more the angle of the documentary as opposed to, you know, saying he's, you know, probably the all time great. I get, I get what you're saying, but I also think like for shortstops, we went from, there was like Cal Ripken and that was it. And then your guy, Barry Larkin was, he could hit some power, you know, and he was taller, but like with Jeter and A-Rod and Nomar, the game kind of changed. Like now you're seeing like six feet tall shortstops that can hit home runs. And therefore, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, th- I think, Joe, if I can hop in here for a second, I think yeah. Joe's argument is strictly baseball. And, and his point sure. is that Jeter was definitely clutch and he was great in the pro se- postseason and no one denies. I, I, I think Joe's yeah. argument is he was put in a good situation 
you know, we just talked about it with, with Brady, like situations do matter for athletes. They matter for any job. You, if you're put in a situation to succeed, it's a lot easier to excel. And I think that's the argument is that Jeter was put in that situation while also being one of the worst ever historically at defense, which is half the game. So well, the other thing is, is like Tom Brady, listen, Maddie and I can go back and forth on Tom Brady all time, but the difference, like this, this is a, that's like kind of a totally different conversation. Oh, Tom Brady, he gets put in Boston in a good system and Boston, the fans are so difficult there. And if you don't perform, they're going to, whatever, this is all the stuff they say about New York. Tom Brady holds every fucking record ever. True. Tom Brady holds every fucking record ever. And part of that is being on a team that is good and being able to do it for a really long time. And also I said it, you know, Maddie and I, and you have, we all did this. I, I said, listen, the goat conversation ended when he leaves and he goes to a different team and he wins right now. That doesn't change my opinion. Like knowing everything I know now, if you give me a, uh, you know, an unknown roster and a one draft pick, would I still take Peyton Manning over Tom Brady? Yeah, maybe. But that doesn't mean I don't think Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and the go whatever. But like when you talk about Tom Brady did everything that Jeter did off the field with the model girlfriend, with them, blah, 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 blah. But he also holds every record ever. Jeter's 94th all time in war. We're talking about 94th. He's six spots from being in the triple digits, let alone guys like, again, listen, this, my thing is always overrated, underrated. Eli Manning came to New York. Eli Manning fucking had the, you know, avoided the tabloids and had the girlfriend and delivered two championships and was way more valuable to two Giants teams than Derek Jeter was to five world champion teams. But yet we sit around and we go, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? And we sit and we go, Derek Jeter should have 99% Hall of Fame ballot. He's absolutely in. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just about, to me, overrating, underrated. The, the, the bottom line is Derek Jeter as a, as a brand and as this thing, great, cool. And ESPN doesn't make a documentary and put it on unless they think people are going to watch it. Haters, lovers, whatever. That's why you put things on the air for ratings. But the bottom line is, and this is it, Derek Jeter is overrated. I I thought he was a great player. I'm not going to say underrated, overrated. He's a great player, but these documentaries are made because he's a celebrity. And, and that's why it had to be made, because I do find it interesting that he is the, you know, I'm not looking at it as like, is he better than this guy? Is he better than that guy? Is he the greatest of all time? Absolutely not. But I do look at it as like from my youth being 18 or 19 and, you know, being around when the Yankees were winning all those world series, he was the captain. Like he owned that fucking city. He really did. Whether he was the best guy or not, he owned that city. And, and that's all I'll say. So well, I, and that's fine. I think, again, I think it's almost like two different discussions where, yeah, where, where ours has more been strictly baseball wise. No. I like, like I, by the way, and I get it. I, I get everything you're saying, and you're right. And, and I didn't yeah. grow up in New York, and I still talk about yeah. it. As a kid who grew up in Cincinnati, everybody talked about Jeter and the girls, and, and you knew that. And that was, that was the thing. That was the thing. Even for me in high school, when they're winning those titles, I remember that he became the face. 
Yeah. Whether it was deserved or not, I, 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 that's up for debate. But he was the guy. And you're right. He was good looking or he still is good looking. And all the girls wanted to be with him. And obviously there's the Derek, the infamous meme that's the Derek Jeter herpes tree, which is hilarious of all the girls that he dated. Supposedly he gave this one herpes and this one gave that herpes. And, you know, it, it's been like a joke forever. But well, he, also, look, yeah, he also denies the whole gift bag and the whole uh, signing out NDA as well. Which I don't know. I, it could be true. I don't know. Sasha Vujicic was really good looking too, and he was also the sixth best player on multiple championship teams. We don't <laughs> fucking suck his dick. Sasha, I think Jeter was a, Sasha. Think, wow, we got a Sasha Vujicic reference. I think Jeter was a little better than Sasha. I hey, mean, I don't Sasha know. Sasha like, hit some clutch like, free throws in that 2010 like, 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 clutch, clutch take, good looking, banging chicks all over fucking Los Angeles. Not the best player say, on his team. I'll ask you Not one the question. Second best player on his team. The Jeremy Giambi play. Like, is that overrated or is that like genius? I don't know. Like, sometimes it's, I'm like, what the fuck was Jeremy Giambi doing? Yeah, like a lot great. of that has to do with Jeremy Giambi not slight. But, but but that's but that's my point. That's sort of so my Jeremy point. Jeremy or Jason it, Giambi? It, Jeremy, Jeremy, the the one in Oakland where he you know the the, okay. the backhand yeah, the backhand yeah. flip. Derek Cheater, that's a great play. No fucking doubt about it. And you know, the, the the time he caught a ball in the middle of left field and took six more steps and fell into the stands uh, yeah. was a great play, too. Uh, but what the fuck are we talking about? We that's that's the thing with Jeter is we use these moments. We just like handpick these moments and we go like, this is it right here. This is what Jeter was. Meanwhile, like, think about if you were going to say, I don't know, like, some, some uh, um, incredibly, you know, r- how many Robbie Alomar, like elite defensive plays at second base do you think you could put together if you put together a highlight tape? More than fucking uh, three? Yeah, thousands. But again, this is show business. You know, show business is show business. Absolutely, Maddie. But you were... I mean, I don't know. You're formerly retired. You're in a retirement. You're you're Brady retired from comedy, but you know how it goes. You've been in this game the same way I've been in the comedy game and Ruth's been. And we all go out and we're like, this guy writes great jokes and this guy writes great jokes and this guy writes great jokes. So how come this guy gets all the fucking accolades? And it's like because we decided to make well, that a, that person fair. a thing. It's- it's it's life is very unfair and, and Jeter is kind of the example of it because he was born with intangibles that Robbie Alomar wasn't born with or another shortstop that had better numbers wasn't born with. and it's just like it just fall into and the, like and those the and those in, and those intangibles were being drafted by the Yankees and also being good looking being charismatic and somehow like like again I can't control I'll go why I'll I, go I'll go so far as to say this. Is Derek Jeter charismatic? But, but look, I, I'm just telling you what it is. I remember my older sister worked at a video store, and she worked with this girl, Marilyn, to smoke cigarettes and never watch baseball. And then one day, every day, she's got a Jeter shirt on, and she's watching every goddamn game, like, so into the Yankees and, like, thinking, like, Derek Jeter's going to marry her or something. And it's like... That was the effect he had on people. I can't explain it. My sister had fucking Joey Fatone on every corner of her room. She had 1,000 Joey Fatone pictures. But like fucking Derek Jeter, 
she thought he was fucking good or important because he was surrounded by talented people. You're comparing Derek Jeter to Joey Fatone. <laughs> Dude, this yeah. is an all-time Frano yeah. take. Yeah. Derek Jeter <laughs> is Joey Fatone. He's not the, the fourth best guy. He's not the Chris fifth. Kirkpatrick, right? Chris was the fifth. Joey seemed what? like Joey Fatone was out of breath. Like they Joey's let, Let's rank him in order in order of talent. We're going. Pro, we're obviously going JC. JT, JT, JC, Lance, Joey, Chris Kirkpatrick. Well, look, I, I feel like as someone who used to work for Lance Bass, I have to stay out of this because I'm biased. I would, yeah. I would do it. I would do it that way. You would do it that way, so you're not staying out of it. Well, I, I, I again, I got, I got called out. I got called out the other day. Uh, by my significant other saying I had rated him too high because we we literally it's so funny we like had this discussion about where you rated him in the in the group where we rated the and members him, of it and saying, you put him third I put Lance third yeah but again yeah. I also saw him every day for I put him know. third and I don't I have no ties to the guy like I put you go JT JC Lance Joey Chris Kirkpatrick yeah right J- I mean Derek, I mean I- Derek Jeter's not the ace pitcher on the staff he's not the number two that's going to go shove in game two of the world series he's not their three hitter he's the table setter guy on offense he's fucking joey fatone the ladies loved him that's all i gotta say yeah the ladies fucking my sister had his fucking picture on the ceiling so goldberg yeah and then we'll let you go sure. let's, let's just finish up a little baseball discussion yeah. nets have won six in a row did Philly yeah. win today? They had won seven in a row entering today. Did they win or lose? The who's that? Philly. I watched. Did they win what? The wild card or no? Did Philly? Did Philly win or lose today? It's one p.m. I have no idea. Ruther. No, they they had a one p.m. game. Oh, oh. did they? Uh, they're losing I, three I, nothing. I like they're the losing Mets. three nothing to the Marlins. Okay. But my point yeah. was just my point was this: they yeah. had won seven in a row entering today. The Mets have won six in a row. The Dodgers have won ten in a row. So we have like three teams on like. Big hot streaks, sure. And obviously, the, the the Dodgers have the best record. The Mets now have the second best record. And I think now is the point of the season where people are really tro- showing their true colors and how good some of these teams can really be. I know where Joe stands. At yeah. least I think I do. Where do you stand, Goldberg, heading into? Playoffs? Well, it's kind of crazy because the Dodgers put so much money into their team that if they don't win, it's such a disappointment. I think for the Yankees as well. I like the Mets and I like the Buck Showalter story. I think like one of the things that is interesting about him is he started 30 years ago in New York and he's like, you know, he's an incredible baseball guy. You just see like, as soon as he comes there, he just turns everything around. He gets the best out of everybody. And I think like probably in his heart and his head, leaving the Yankees and having a win like four world series when you kind of built that team, Probably like, you know, there's a lot of unsolved, unsettled business he has in New York. So I do like that angle. It's just the Dodgers are, you know, I, they're tough. I mean, Dave Roberts ain't good in the postseason. We know that, but they're so loaded. And uh, I think that's who the, like Joe said last week, that's who the Mets really got to worry about. I, I like the Philly story, but I think they're not, they're not like a, a little lower tier than that. And you know, I think the Yankees and the Astros are going to be a very good series. And I think those four teams are the best right now. I got to bring something. I got to bring something up that was just 
like I know we probably talked about it when it happened. Yeah. But yet I've been going through the whole like I've been going through the whole season on this ep- on this show and on Dirty Sides talking about it like it hasn't happened, even though I'm sure we talked about it when it did happen. I had to be yeah. reminded by our hockey correspondent, Ryan Klatt. Yeah, I think I think I I think I hit it from my memory because I didn't want to believe it was true. I've been acting as if we still have two wild card teams. We have three wild card teams this That's year. That's crazy. Yeah, I forget too. And and we have there's like some sort of buy system now in baseball. Well, it's fun. It's fun because I like the Orioles have a chance to make the playoffs. Who would have thought that? I mean, they yeah, they're playing you know important games. Which if they didn't have all these wild cards, I'm I'm not like I remember like Bob Costas used to always annoy me because he was such a traditionalist. But you know, baseball's getting killed in the ratings. They gotta make things more interesting and you gotta have more teams involved at the end of the year because you're really getting your ass kicked by football right now. Well, so I, well, but I like not, your Mets. I, I love the story. I like why there's a bigger guy. Now, in the now team. what uh do you think them like let's say it came down to the Mets and the Dodgers in an NLCS? Do you think the Mets have a chance? Absolutely. Why? Because the Dodgers are they play great in the regular season. They're not that good in the postseason, you know, and they got lucky because I don't know what the hell Kevin Cash did with the Rays taking his pitchers out. Yeah. You know, they kind of handed the Dodgers a World Series on a weird season. Besides that, with all these teams and all these payrolls, they've really done nothing. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, I give him a chance. The Mets, and like you said, I mean, when DeGrom, if he comes back, I mean, Scherzer's a bulldog. You have a great one-two combination. So it doesn't come. Da- it doesn't come down to who's shortstop's handsomer. It comes down to who has the more elite pitching staff. I'm just a talking lot about like a, every I'm fucking talking Yankees about a ever. documentary. Like I'm saying, like ESPN <laughs> goes, how can we get people to watch? You no, know, I know. I like, I'm just. I'm just saying. My point yeah. is, is like we all talk about base. We all like. In the moment, we all talk about baseball precisely how it is. The Mets yeah. do not have the best lineup in baseball, but the Mets, according to Fangraphs, have the best percent chance to win the fucking World Series right now because the Mets, in every series they will play in, regardless of who they play ever, will have the best two pitchers in the series. And that, and if they're healthy, how do you fucking beat them? That's what it's like when you bring Mike Mussina and Jack McDowell and Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit and all the fucking people that you brought to five fucking championships teams. And then we talk about the charisma of the guy at fucking shortstop. Like David that Cohen's fucking matters. Oh, David Cohn is David. Honestly, I'll say this. This is my final thing. And I think I said it on this show. I think I said it on this. David Cohn deserves a fucking six part documentary more than fucking Derek Jeter. Derek Cohn's a legend. Jacking David off Cohn. in bullpen. Yeah, he, he got caught whacking in a bullpen. Wait, remind me of that. What happened? Before a game when he was on the Mets, he got he was like jerking off like in the bullpen to these girls before a game. It's going back to like 89, 90. Yeah. And then they fucking move on from him. And he, I mean, David Cohn is a lot. David Cohn is one of the dirtiest, filthiest yeah. in terms of stuff pitchers I've ever seen to this day. Yeah, he's he David a hell Cone, of a pitcher. Five time World Series champion, by the way. Blue hell Jays, Blue Jays, Yankees, 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 Yankees. David Cohn or uh, baseball's ratings will help tonight. Or I'll be curious what the ratings are tonight. The field of dreams game. I can't we, wait to watch that. It's going to be against, you know, preseason football. 
preseason football still always does well. But you, you have know, two garbage teams, right? You, you, you got the Cubs and the Reds. Yeah. It doesn't matter, though. It's just so cool. That's what, it's tonight? Cool yeah, thing. it's tonight. It's just, oh, wow. To see you guys come out of the, the cornfields and like. That's yeah, nice. It'll be, it'll be, I'll watch it because the, the Mets aren't on tonight, which is great. Yeah. Mets, Mets are off today. I'll watch it. That's, that's the baseball I need. Yeah. I actually, here's something funny real quick and I'll let you go. I'm yeah. shopping for speaking of baseball and, and talking about announcers and stuff. I was shopping for a fridge yesterday at Lowe's and, nice. and sure enough, I meet this guy who used to produce for years. He, he's retired. He did all so much Fox and Fox sports and CBS. And he knows all these guys. I mean, this guy was 83 and it was so cool. Like he did all the, like he was telling me personal stories about how much he loved Vince Scully and how prepared he was and Jack Buck. And then Joe Buck, like he remembered it vividly. I was talking about like the 90 world series and he's talking about producing that. And that's how he made his living. And I think he did very well, but it was, it was really cool and interesting. Dude, literally just looking at fridges. It went from, he's telling me, don't get that fridge because of a brand. And then suddenly we start talking next, thing you know, it's like 45 minutes later. And he's talking about everything that he saw and heard, but here's what's interesting and not surprising. He talked about the Tom Brenneman thing. And, and he's, he actually, he's friends with the Brennemans. And he said, uh, he said, if you only knew what was said on that mic when it was oh, Marty boy. Brenneman and Joe Nuxall doing the Reds games, he's like, dude, if you only knew. But here's something kind of wild, which I assume most people would know. They don't know. Fox Fox fired Tom Brenneman, right? Yeah. I don't I don't know. Well, everybody's calling us today. I don't know if you know uh, if you guys knew that he's calling games in Puerto Rico. That's you got to do what you got to do. Maybe nope. he's in a warehouse. But but here here's the funny part. I don't know if it's funny, but it's interesting. This is like the fucking this is like the Hank Azaria show on fucking yeah. IFC. So he said that uh, everybody's like, oh, he's got to like, you know, you got to start back from the bottom. That's actually a Fox affiliate, which he said most people don't know. They yeah. fired him, but they threw him like a minor bone and was like. We'll get you yep. somewhere. Well, what we, they uh, probably did is they probably didn't fire him. They just removed him from that broadcast, had a contract with him, and were like, well, listen, if we're going to pay you, you're going to work yep. somewhere. Well, I should run, boys. That was awesome. Maddie, Good to see you, Goldberg. Yeah, guys, check out the Sports, Sports Hole with Sports Maddie. Hole. Sean Murphy. Part two is up. You scroll back one episode for part one. Start there. You'll <laughs> learn about salsa orgies, reggaeton threesomes. You'll learn all about the degeneracy of the guy, Sean Murphy, who blew 30 grand. He's, who thinks he's going to marry one of these girls, which is crazy. Yeah. He's taking her for six grand, by the way. He said he's giving her $6,000. Crazy. But I love you, boys. We love good you, too, to see you, Goldberg. Always good to have, have you on. One. Enjoy right. your night, guys. We'll bring you back during football season. Peace out, boys. Later. Ruther, before we move on, I mean, just coming off the high of Maddie Goldberg, you know, while we have everybody's attention, I just want to let everybody know I have a show August 25th at the Hollywood Improv Lab. <laughs> I always wait till the end of the show to get plugs in, but not right now. People coming off the end of Maddie Goldberg waiting for me to say something about Goldberg right at the end here. Now, August 25th, Hollywood Improv Lab. 
Joe Prano and acquaintances, as I've titled it. Lachlan Patterson, former guest of the show. Nate Craig, former guest of the show. Sam Goldstein, good friend of mine. Uh, Mary Romeo hosting special guests to come. Tickets available right now at improv.com and all over all my social media at Joe Prano and everything except for Twitter. I'm at Face Your Life. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We forgot to ask Maddie why he didn't show up to your recent show that was right by yeah. his house. Yeah. He was he had just gotten a crew show shirt. He was, you know, he had to do laundry. You know. I also I I didn't know Maddie had to run, but breaking news that I saw come across the like, you know, the Apple alerts on my phone and then sent to us by Randy Ruther. Um and I wanted to get Goldberg's thought on it because, you know, he's a big Boston guy. But it's been announced that uh, the NBA will retire Bill Russell's number six jersey league-wide. The Jackie that's Robinson the ulti- treatment. That's the ultimate. Yeah. Right? They haven't done that for Jordan. They haven't done that for anybody ever. Yeah. Huge. Number six retired. I think, I think I think kind of appropriate. I like it. Yeah, it's it's fine with me. I mean, it's there's certain there's certain people that achieve that. Is there anybody in the NFL? So for baseball, it's Jackie Robinson, number forty two. Yeah, I don't think the NFL has anybody. No, I don't believe so. And they'll never do that because they don't want to give up any possibility of money. Right. <laughs> All right. One last number yeah. equals one last possible jersey sale. So the number six is retired. So LeBron, yeah. LeBron's like Miami six. Right. He's like Mariano Rivera or Mo Vaughn or those guys or uh, Butch Husky who got grandfathered into wearing 42 and then got to wear it until they retired and then no, no more. And hopefully, honestly, uh, I, I saw already in just clicking on one article when that broke, people being like, I hope LeBron goes back to 23. I hope LeBron stays with six in honor. And wears it out, and then, uh, and then you know, if he changes teams or whatever, he changes his numbers. I'd like to see that. Well, LeBron's been twenty three on the Lakers, right? Well, he was twenty three, and now he's six. He changed again on the Lakers. He changed again on the Lakers. I don't pay attention to numbers enough. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, who who else has been a popular number six in the NBA? Um, Tyson Chandler. Uh, Dr. J. Yeah. Dr. J. Um, other sixes. Uh, I don't know. You know, all this talk of sixes, I assume would make you want to have a six pack of Miller Lite. Bro. Honestly, as much as, uh, as much as like that, that is true. It also, for me, when I think of, of Miller Lite, I think of Willie Mays. I even think of Kobe Bryant from time to time because I like to my preferred method of Miller Lite. Sadly, they don't make 30 pack bottles. I'm a bottle over a can guy. Love a good can of Miller Lite. Got have a have a John Stockton of cans in my uh, refrigerator right now because they don't sell bottles at the local Whole Foods here. But uh, I what I should have done, I should have gone and got me a Willie Mays of bottles via MillerLite.com because they'll deliver it to you. Well, um, not, not just MillerLight.com, MillerLight.com forward slash dirty sports. Yeah, of course, forward slash dirty sports. 
Um, that's what I should have done. I should have gone to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports and got my preferred King Griffey Jr. of Miller Lite bottles. There but you go. absolutely in a pinch, in a pinch, I'll get a I'll get a LeBron James. I'll get a Bill Russell, a Miller Lite. No doubt about it. And so, when I'm when I'm feeling really, really wild, I'll get a Michael Conforto. You know, I'll I'll go I'll go for the 30. There you go. There was movers last week who came to grab the stuff from my girlfriend's place to put in the new house and just a hot day. I mean, like one of those scolding, hot, humid Midwest days. These poor guys just were parsed. And I said, guys, I don't have bottles of water, sadly, but I do have some cold Miller lights in the fridge. And the guy was like, dude, this is better. And these guys, I gave them each two for the final hour of the move. I, I mean, they were just, just the look of happiness on these guys' face. Just to have a cold Miller light, set it down. They had to, you know, take some things apart. But just the joy, Joe, that that 96 calories brings people. Well, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something because you bring up a good point. Like, it's, it's kind of a standard thing, you know, historically, uh, for, for, for bros, uh, I'll help another bro move. And it's like, we'll get you beer and a pizza, beer and a pizza. Come on. We'll get beers and a pizza. And my thing is, you know, uh, I, and I've talked about this. It's, it's sort of, I don't believe in heaven or hell. Um, I maybe believe a little bit of karma. I've done a lot of bad things in my life, but I've also helped a lot of people move and not ask for anything. And when you're done moving, you don't want an IPA. No, you don't want a you don't want a porter or a stout. You want a delicious light beer. And I will tell you, God's honest truth. I'm not going to name names of other light beers, but if I'm done moving and you hand me a light beer and it's not a Miller Light, it's the last time I move you, bro. Sure. And if you hand me a Miller Light, I'm like we moving shit tomorrow. Yeah. What's going on? Exactly. What's going on? What do you need moved? Is your girl moving in with you? Should we move her house? Let's go. So next time you're getting ready to enjoy cold ones with your crew or help some movers, go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Can I tell you something else, Andy? And this is not part of the Miller Lite uh, ad per se, but I just want to tell you how much I really do truly enjoy the original light beer the goat of light beers the goat of beers in my opinion so the other day uh i finally found a place to swim near my new um location and uh i've gone there a few times i go the other day been surfing a lot thing no uh there wasn't waves i was like okay i'm gonna go get a swim in and i ate good that morning i like had I had a good breakfast. I had a protein shake at lunch. I went, I swam 120 laps in like under an hour. I was like, went hard. And then on my way home, I was like, you know what I want to do right now? I want to go to the supermarket. And this is why I went to Whole Foods. I was like, I want to go get the nicest piece of steak that I can get. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to cook a big fat steak for myself. And I'm going to get a John Stockton and Miller like cans. And I'm going to have like, I was like dinner tonight is a gigantic piece of steak 
and a gigantic cold glass Miller light. And it was perfection. No side, no rice, no potatoes, no veggies, big fat fucking steak. And I, I broke out a double mug and poured two full cans of Miller light in there. And now I was like, this is, this is all a man should have for dinner. I bet you slept great. I slept like a goddamn, like I like a baby on fucking, you know, Benadryl. Yeah, I bet. A little workout, a little food, a little Miller Lite. That's all you need. You want to hear from the dirt balls? Of course. 310-359-8365. That's our hotline. Give us a ring. We'll start out with a non-sports call. All right. Sorry, Andy. I was drunk. I'm sorry. I'll be more concise than this. Uh, th- this attempt, attempt number two. Here we go. Uh, this is Landon, uh, greater Nashville area dirtball, um, the number one, in fact. And I am a performer like you guys. I do. I do comedy and uh, like various other sort of like, you know, comedic avenues like on stage in Nashville from time to time. And I was wondering, uh, as performers, what is your post-show turn-down routine uh, for those dirtballs who have not experienced uh, being on stage, you know, doing, doing things that have the end goal of making people laugh? Uh, if they do laugh, it gives you a crazy high. And at the end of that high, you're kind of left to yourself, just sort of, you know, there. And I was wondering what Joe and Andy, you know, professional comedians, uh, do to turn down at the end of their sets, unwind and sort of ground themselves back in uh, normal life. All right. Uh, condoms are for, mm, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Well, first of all, Landon, appreciate the call. Secondly, if you know anything about us, we turned down for never. I was about to say, I turned down for na- <laughs> cocaine and hookers, bro. Stay up until you crash, bro. No. Um, it's I, true, I, though. The, the it, If you have a good show, the the high of making a room laugh, especially if it's a lot of people, and you know this, it's a, it's a drug. It's like a sex high. It's like a drug high. It's It's, it's tough to... Would that be the serotonin? What would that be? What would be the probably. chemical in your body? Yeah, that's, that's just amped Do- up. dopamine. Dopamine. That would be it. Um, you know, I've it, it's it's kind of the same process, but like when I was in New York, um, and still now when I do comedy in New York, a lot of times like I would be like, oh, I'm at a show. Let's say I was at the Stand, which is one of my favorite clubs in the whole world, and it's currently located in Union Square, which is right by a subway station. And I would always go to, uh, you know, I was often traveling to Williamsburg or to Brooklyn, like when I lived there or when my sister lived out there or whatever. So for me, I could get off stage, hang out for a minute, and then I could get right on the subway if I wanted and go back. But a lot of times what I would do is just like walk it off. I'd be like, I'm going to walk three or four stops east and get on i'll get on the first avenue l train so like a little bit of a walk off and now in la especially um where i live now or when i lived in my last place or when when we both lived in venice it's like for a lot of the clubs 
you're coming from Hollywood. So it's like, get in the car, calming music. You know, I'm not listening to fucking, you know, I'm not listening to the party jams on the way back. I'm turning down with a little like, you know, I don't know, a little, little, little quieter music, a little folky stuff, a little country stuff, a little radio head or something like that. Just like a wind down. And then I get home and I, again, not to continue to plug, but like one last Miller light when you get home, a celebratory, we made it home safe. Or what I'll often do uh, is I'll come back to my place. I'll pour myself just two fingers of bourbon neat and crack a Miller light and just get a little, a little, you know, a little, basically a little travel home with some calming music, a nice nightcap. And then we turn down for, for bed. We turn down for bed. <laughs> you fool. The only time I turn down is when I sleep, bro. Yeah. I always like food. Like I'm a late. Yeah. Night. You love to go. You like the, you like the, that's a that's a popular move too for for comics worldwide. Is the post show like pizza diner slice? Move. Yeah. yeah, or like yeah. yeah. You love you love a post show meal. Oh, I love a post show. That's like a way of turning down. Hey, a couple of comics. Let's go grab some food. Let's shoot the shit. Very um, very popular in uh in in L.A. to like take your boys and go to Mel's or go to swingers or go to cafe fifties and sit around yeah. and shop it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to turn it down. Cause you're just like, okay, let's, let's talk, you know, let's talk about whatever the show is just life, whatever. That that's a good way to do it. Um, because you're and then right. Of, and then of course, if it's like the, the, the early show, or if you're on the road or whatever, there is a little bit of truth to like turn down for never. It's like, I'll ride that high the rest of the night. And let's go party. And then, you know, we'll wind down after that. So it's funny that this call happened and we're talking about that. So I've, I've basically journaled off and on for like 20 plus years, even more, like just like thoughts going in my head, my life, whatever. And it's fascinating to go back and read. And I, I started a journal. The first time I ever went on, tour when I was doing those fraternity tours from frat house to frat house and colleges was 2008. Right. So holy shit, that's almost 15 years ago, but I was reading. Oh my God. I was reading it last night and I didn't, my goal was to write an entry every night. I was on the road for like 86 days and I probably only wrote like 15 entries, but like, they're so funny. It's like, I'm so at the time I'm 27 or 28. I'm like, I'm drunk again tonight. I haven't drank this most this much since my semester abroad. And it's like, I can't stop. Like, it's just funny seeing like partying and girls and partying. And like, and then I wrote it down somewhere. I was drunk and you know how I used to go like hard, like blackout. I was on the road for like 86 days. I was like blacked out drunk for like 33 of those. Which, dude, that's that's more than every third day I'm getting blacked out drunk and just eating bad. And it's just so funny to look at that now. I I almost I almost like had a bad feeling in my stomach just because like the thought of all that booze and no sleep, all that. 
I used to turn down for never. Like, like all the memories just came flooding back. Dude, I, I mean, the, that, that time castle for me of doing shows at frat houses and then just getting blacked out, like waking up in frat houses as a 27-year-old. Like you couldn't do that. Like, right? Like nobody would do that now. Yeah. Don't you think? Wild. Right? Like, do you think somebody could do that? I'm sure somebody is doing that, but yeah, I, you know, it's a tough life. But it's like fat. It's 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 fascinating to read what I was writing, and then just also hearing like, like I was writing a couple entries, like just performed at Georgia Tech and then Georgia back to back nights, and I'm talking about like, I was like, it's wild to me how racist some of these guys are and it, like the entry was from like september of 2008 i was like they're the nicest friendliest people but like legit racist and, and like i wrote in my entry i wrote like i jokingly said during my set last night at university of georgia if you guys ever allowed any black people in your fraternity and i wrote this in the entry a kid yelled out hell no and they all applauded and it's like it's like what like yeah it's like wild when you read Especially that it's stuff. wild, like Andy Ruther, like 2008 being like, these guys really, it's like, there was another journal entry from 2009. You're like, I can't believe the diet on some of these kids. I mean, they'll eat Taco Bell every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Too funny. I think we had another, do we have another non- Oh yeah, this is from Jay from Minnesota. I can play this. This is kind of a non-sports. It's a non-sports call, but it's also related to like it's not comedy, but it's comedy adjunct, which I thought is kind of fun. Joe, Andy, it's your number one Minnesota farmer, Dirtball Jay. Um, in September, I no longer am a dairy farmer. Getting out of the cow game, just a crop farmer now, which means <laughs> instead of unless. Um, it's April through June and end of September through November. I don't have shit going on. So I'm wondering what are some good side gigs you guys picked up over the years? I got a couple things lined up, soil sampling, stuff like that, but that really doesn't keep me busy during the winter. I have to haul a little grain, but I'll have quite a bit more free time. So I'm just wondering the best side gigs you guys have ever had. Stay dirty. This is a great question. Side I mean, gigs. I mean, I highly recommend starting a dairy farmer podcast and seeing if you can get one of the great beer companies in the world to sponsor you. <laughs> it's probably the ultimate side gig. <laughs> Passion, passionately, passionately scream for 90 minutes twice a week about which dairy farmers are over or underrated and see if you can just get somebody to hand you a check every month for it. That would be my, that would be my go-to side gig for you. <laughs> I mean, all-time LA side gig. We've already talked about it. Keiko. <laughs> oh man, Keiko. Yeah, dude. Keiko is the legend. Keiko is the legendary side gig. I mean, Ke Keiko. Keiko is like the George Steinbrenner of things. Just like overpaying <laughs> for consistent, overpaying for mediocre consistency. Not like, only media, dude. It depends on what what she has you doing. Like Keiko. And it, Keiko is amazing too because like. She started out with like Brian who could build you a yeah. house out of like popsicle sticks. And then like, it's like, remember multiplicity every 
every clone they made was like a little bit dumber. And then it was like me who would like paint some things and sand some things and put up drywall. And then suddenly she was like hiring you to just literally move boxes from one side of her house to the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keiko goes from a legit contractor and Brian to you, to me, to I worked with her. She was you the, were you were the uh, you were the Michael Keaton in multiplicity who was wearing like the fucking bombers leather hat and fucking cross eyed. Yeah, I'll never forget the one day because I felt down that cake. It was initially us moving stuff to where she had me doing landscaping work and some carpentry work, which like, dude, I knew nothing about. I knew the day when I got the uh, when I had a drill and I had no clue what I was doing. And uh <laughs> And Kegel's was, like, oh, listen, if uh, you were here for eight hours and then, but I don't pay you for lunch, here's $4,000. And you're like, excuse me, what? I ruined your house with a drill. She used to pay us so much. I just remember who was the, uh, the Guatemalan guy. I worked oh, yeah, with. yeah. I Alex? Alex. I remember that day he was annoyed because it was like, she's like, okay, you and Alex are going to be doing some work with the drill. And I had no clue what I was doing. And Alex, and Alex just kept- is just doing all the work. And then you're getting paid more than him because you're white. Stop <laughs> it. It's true. She used to tell me, don't tell Alex. Wait, wait, you're underpaying the guy who's like got a family and shit. Yeah. Uh, Keiko, legendary side business. I mean, that's, that's a great side gig. I mean, I've yeah. had some, I've had some random ones. I mean, I worked, I worked the door at Cabo Cantina. Remember? Cause I could just walk there. When did he say his time off is? His time off would be the winter too, because he wouldn't be it. Like, dude, do what I did in the pick. You know, pick a sport that season and you know, coach some youth sports. Legendary side gig, coaching high school baseball for a while. Well, now's the best time. Everyone's hiring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, dude, you're probably obviously a hard worker. If you're a farmer, like, I don't know if you'd be interested, but like, or if it just be shit work, you wouldn't want to do, but any sort of delivery service, you know, warehouse, you name it. I don't know if you want to do that type of stuff. I mean, that's obviously hard work. I've done so many like side gigs, social media stuff. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's the easiest work. Hey, we'll pay you to retweet this. We'll pay you to post some social stuff. Okay, cool. Oh, this is what you want me to do. Dude. Remember when I ran the social media for the, uh, the, uh, Marnie, was that her name? Oh yeah, what was the, that? Like the, the fucking the, the ask women, ask, ask mom. Oh yeah, ask women pod. The ask women podcast. I did. I was on her show a couple of times, and she's like, "I need somebody to run the social media," and she paid me monthly for like I don't know, like four or five months to run her Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, which was a hilarious side gig. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. Some other ones. I ran a kids camp in LA. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I was a camp counselor. You were a Manny. Yeah. Then I was a Manny from that job. Yeah. I became a Manny. I mean, dude, I'm, the, I'm, if I listed on my LinkedIn, if I, I was telling somebody this, if I listed all my jobs from my whatever, 14 years in LA, like side gigs, Dude, my LinkedIn would be the most packed LinkedIn ever. If I, if yeah. I'm saying, if I really wanted to list, like, oh, did yeah. this for three months, did this for six months. This is bringing me back because we kind of we kind of blew through it because I was so hyped on on shitting on Derek Jeter. But 
obviously one of your side gigs was being a producer for Lance Bass's uh, radio show. And you talked, we talked about the ranking. So your girl, what was your girl's ranking? I need to know the different ranking. Where, where, where was the ranking? What was her order? I think we were arguing Lance versus Joey. So she had JT one, JC two, Joey three. Yeah. Lance four. Oh, no. She started out by saying Lance was the least interesting of the five. And I was like, yo, (laughs) yo. Yo, Chris Kirkpatrick could have been replaced by Kid Rock's midget, dude. Like, what are you talking about? And I told her, I said the same thing. I said, look, obviously I have bias. And she's like, yeah, you do. And I, I said, well, I said. I really feel like the only reasonable argument, like I, I really feel like you could get you could get the top 20 like boy band aficionados in the world and they would all be like, all right, we're going to debate this, but we all agree JT is one, JC is two, and Chris Kirkpatrick is five. So really, we're going to spend this whole afternoon debating on whether or not Lance is three or Joey Fatone is three and vice versa. Like, I feel like that is just, I feel well, like that's well, the only appropriate thing. Well, here's the thing. Lance has been... Chris Kirkpatrick was a punchline in an Eminem song. What are we multiple, talking about? Multiple. Dude, th- dude, I forget. I've actually... It's funny you said. I've listened. I've been listening to like albums. I've been focusing on albums lately. The last, I don't know, a few months. And I'm going through old Eminem albums. You forget. He was a punchline multiple times. In multiple Eminem songs, I would. That's a, so. Here's the thing. I'm deferring to you here, obviously, because we have the same order. But also, even if I was a, a neutral source, I'd be like, I'm deferring to Andy in this argument because you're not arguing who's three and four. Like the fact that you're even the you you lose credibility by not having Chris Kirkpatrick five. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I I, I well, she ended up agreeing with me on that. I was like, dude, what what are we? But she's a little younger, but I was like a a, a, a call, a message from Randy Ruther. He goes, Kirkpatrick was name dropped in an Eminem song. Kind of cool. Yeah. Or does it give him credit? Probably said that sent that before we started talking about it, then hit us with a ha 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 after I was like, that makes him five. No doubt about it. Yeah. You're right. It, it, it would be between those two. It'd be between Joey Fatone and Lance Bass to, to, to debate the number three. But I mean, like, I, I, I would argue successful wise, Lance has definitely done more. I mean, he just had like those, like if, like if we're going to do the Jeter stuff and we list the facts, yeah. like he's done more. I mean, he had his own rate. I'm like, not like many people listen to our show and I was on the end, but. He had a he had a nationally syndicated radio show for five and a half years. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like he had his own show on Sirius XM for five years. Joey Fatone opened a, uh, a hot dog stand in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing against Joey. Uh, he's a nice guy. I'm just I I, I and he's hilarious. And I'm being serious, he, he opened a, a hot dog stand called Fat Ones off yeah. of Fatone. Yeah. And Chris Kirkpatrick hasn't even accomplished that. So what are we talking about? <laughs> Chris Kirkpatrick is has uh, Kirkpatrick and Sons Moving Company, where he comes over and will move you for a Miller Lite and some pizza. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, let's do one more call. 
Hey, John Andy. It's Mark calling back in from North Carolina. Uh, I just saw a stat that said that in the NFL, um, if you look at the top 50 single-season receiving yards just by wide receivers, so, for example, Calvin Johnson has the most with, like, 1,970 yards in a single season. Uh, Out of the top 50, only four have resulted in that team winning the Super Bowl that season. So in light of that, I just wanted to ask, what are your guys' thoughts on, like, how important wide receivers are in general to a team and, you know, actually winning games? Because I've always kind of thought that wide receivers were a little overrated in terms of impact, but I don't know. I'd just like to hear what you thought. Stay dirty. I I mean, that's an interesting stat. Um, I don't think wide receivers are overrated, but what I think this is, is very similar to the, we've never had a quarterback who led the league in passing be the, win the Super Bowl. Um, that like the bottom line is when you have a dominant receiver, it tends to mean that you have one guy and not and and a pretty severe drop off to the next guy, right? For example, Calvin Johnson, who was the second best receiver on those Calvin Johnson teams? Marvin Williams, like I don't fucking know Marvin Jones. Uh, like I've no, he wasn't on those teams yet. I yeah, I'm like I don't fucking know. Um, whereas you're more likely to win a Super Bowl if you're spreading the ball around. You're more likely to win the Super Bowl if you're more balanced passing and rushing. So the idea of having an elite wide receiver that does that catches the majority of your passing yards, you're probably a pass heavy team with one absolutely dominant receiver. And that does not a Super Bowl team make. Now, I think if you look at you know, great teams uh, historically who have great wide receivers, you know, uh, Alvin Harper, underrated. John Taylor, underrated. Sure, they had their Michael Irvins and they had their um, Jerry, Rice. Jerry Rices. And, but like even Cooper Cup, you know, like Cooper Cup wasn't even the go-to guy until last year. And then he becomes the guy. And then you have Odell who comes in at the end of the year. Then you have, you know, um, Woods before he gets hurt. You have all these guys like feeding one dude the ball isn't great. But at the same time, I don't think it necessarily means you don't want an elite number one. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at that list. It's like basically Jerry Rice because of those four. Cooper Cup led the league last year. They won a Super Bowl. Jerry Rice led it. In '95, they like like if if you look, I bet they're all Jerry. I bet they're all Jerry Rice. I mean, what? what, But that's uh, he. he, I I don't even understand. What the was the question? The guy, the guy who has the the most receiving yards in the in the the league league that year does the team win the Super Bowl? And like I said, he said he said there's four of the top fifty. I'm looking at the top fifty right now, and just off just my experience of knowing. NFL history. It's Cooper Cup last year, and I think the other. I think the other three. So that's happened four times. I'm assuming are all Jerry Rice. 
because I'm looking and just I'm just scrolling down off the top of my head. I'm thinking these are all seasons where Jerry Rice. Yeah, because none of these and maybe Mike Orvin. Yeah, 91. Probably I, I, I thought he might have been saying the top 50 receiving seasons of all time. Oh, you know, you're right. You're right. Which you're right. is the point. Like you could have a guy like Cooper Cupper. You could have a guy like Jerry Rice. And does, you know, does Jerry Rice lead the league in receiving as compared to like this guy who plays on a team? Like think about all the elite wide receivers who carry teams because that's all they're able to do. And then you look at, you know, at what year, I mean, it probably would have been Randy Moss. He loses that Super Bowl. Think about all the years that the the um, Patriots win a Super Bowl. Never is it one guy. You know, that's probably the year it's most one guy. You look at that, the Broncos teams with um, Peyton Manning ne- spreading the ball around. Yeah. You look at, you know, even Roethlisberger, like, the again, you know, we talk about a guy like Antonio Brown. It's like when he was at full form, they didn't win Super Bowls. There, there's some surprises, by the way, in here in the top 20. If you look at the 20 most receiving yards in a single season, there's some guys who are like, I forgot about. Like Herman Moore has the 12th most ever in a season. Yeah. Yeah. Like you forgot how he was great for a few years. Josh Gordon's 16th. Jimmy Smith, like you forget how some of these guys just. You don't want the league's leading passer. You essentially don't want the league's leading receiver. You're probably not that balanced and you probably don't spread the ball out. But I think that that is, uh, that's a bad way to like um, study the, study the, the, the evidence here. And then I, I think that the wrong, the wrong, uh, you know, hypothesis to draw from this is you don't want an elite wide receiver. I think what you want is an elite wide receiver that you don't have to throw the ball every fucking play. Yeah. I agree. 310-359-8365. That is our hotline. Give us a ring. Subscribe to us on YouTube. That way you know we're live when you don't call. So we got a lot of calls today. That way you get the noties. Turn the noties on. Follow us on social at The Dirty Sports. I'm on at Andy Ruther. Joe will be live at the Hollywood Improv. That's right. Thank you. 25th at the lab. Joe Prano and friends. Go see him if you're in the Southern California area. Or if you're not, fly into town. Yeah. Please come see me if you are in and around Los Angeles. It's going to be a really, 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 really fun show. I'm going to do a long set. So if you guys have ever come and seen me or if you've never had the opportunity to see me like either headline on the road or even feature for Eddie or Lachlan, I'll be doing a set, you know, longer than longer than a feature set you'd see on the road. Um, So come out and see that. Tickets are available already. The link is in my last tweet. The link is in my uh, story on uh, Instagram right now. <clears throat> I'm at Joe Prano on everything, including TikTok, which I've basically turned into a Derek Jeter truther account. And uh, I am at Fix Your Life on Twitter. So thank you. And I uh, hope to see you guys out. And if you don't come to that, if you're not in the Los Angeles area, I will be at uh, Comedy Cellar in Vegas the last week in uh August into the first weekend of September. And this weekend, in case you're in the central coast of California, I'll be in the uh, San Luis Obispo area. All those dates 
and more joeprano.com cool all right that's our show today as always thanks to everybody for listening thanks to goldberg for coming on always fun to have him on the show you guys have a great weekend stay smart stay safe and most importantly stay dirty